Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Inquiries of Our Reality. The 79th episode now. Pretty crazy. F- flying along on the show, but, you know, I love every minute of it, so that's all that really matters. And, you know, if you want to help the show grow, everybody, uh, you can always review the show, uh, you can share the show, um, post it on social media, whatever you want to do. Anything that you guys do to help grow the show is greatly appreciated. And while you're at it, follow the show on social media. And, you know, if you want to get updates on the show, uh, there's also a Telegram that you can get updates on anything new going on, uh, any little side ventures I have going on. So definitely something to keep an eye on, especially if you're a fan of the show. Uh, if you're enjoying this show and you kind of dig, you know, more so the uh, cryptids, paranormal, all that kind of stuff, which I do cover on the show. But we have another show called uh, Bizarre Encounters, which is specifically more so deep dives into those types of things and experiencers where this show is kind of like all around open minded. But if you love that subcategory, I definitely recommend going and checking out Bizarre Encounters. And uh, while you're at it, if you still just can't get enough of the show, uh, you can go and subscribe to the Patreon. There, you'll get early access to all of my shows that I do. Everybody knows my huge plethora of shows that I do. A new thing that I've been offering is that I now will have live feeds of Inquiries of Our Reality. So if that's something that you're interested in, definitely worth going and checking out. And uh, there's another show that's in the works. By the time this comes out, it'll probably be a couple episodes deep. Um, It's called... Bite-sized bizarreties, which the idea of that show is going to be that it's little bite-sized ideas of cryptids, alien encounters, all that fun stuff. Because I don't know about you guys, but I get to a point where I listen to podcasts all day. It's like a half hour before lunch. I don't really know what to do with that time. So I'm trying to fill in that gap. So if you guys are interested in that, that's also going to be available on the Patreon, um, covering a wide range of topics. So if there's anything that you guys want to hear, I'd be more than happy to hear it. So just shoot me a message and I'd be... I'll do everything that I can to cover that topic. And if you just really want to support the show, which I would greatly appreciate because I'm hoping one day I can do this kind of stuff as a full-time thing, um, you can come and support the show on Ko-fi, which you know, is basically like you know buying somebody a coffee, essentially. Uh, you can also support the show on Anchor, which is the host for the show. So just follow back to that. And uh, it gives you the option to donate down at the bottom. And if you just like to donate little bits of money, you know, just for uh, you know kombucha, like I always seem to drink on the show, anything small like that, I uh, recently hooked up my Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. Uh, all those links are going to be available down in the description. But if anybody wants to look up the screen name, it's uh, Shane Jones, nineteen ninety four, and that's pronoun- or that's spelled S H A Y N, 
little bit different. I know you guys are always used to hearing it uh, on audio, but you may not always visibly see it. Um, if you want to get some awesome, awesome merch for any of my shows, Increase of Our Reality, Bizarre Encounters, all that fun stuff, I got a couple different uh, merch stores set up, also available all through the Linktree link. And we have some more awesome stuff coming down the pipeline from Crypto Theology, our awesome collab, whatever you want to call them, because they're not quite a sponsor, but we've all kind of teamed up to do some awesome designs, uh, help each other out. So if you want to get some awesome cryptid merch, some alien merch, and you want to get some awesome collab merch for this show and Bizarre Encounters, go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe's a really good guy, and his work is amazing, and he's always coming out with new interesting things, so always check back for that one. And uh, like I was saying, it's all available under the Linktree link, but if you want to hear it through audio, it's uh, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. And now that all of that fun stuff is out of the way, all the, all the front of the house is gone and goodbye. Today, I have an awesome interview today with uh, Tim Schwartz. He is an author, he is a podcaster, and he is a researcher, and all-around fascinating and very, very nice guy. Uh, that's no, no better way of saying it, just a pleasant guy to team to talk to. So again, everybody, welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you very much. And let's hope it's going to be an awesome uh, interview. You know, you say that before we do it, and then afterwards, you're just like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. All right. Hey, part of it is being, uh, I don't want to say character in a bad way, but just it's about the way you talk, the way you present yourself. And from what we were doing before the show and just talking a little bit, you seem like you got a good way of presenting yourself. So I'm really excited for it. I always have high expectations and, you know, I like to keep it that way. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. I mean, and it's, it's a real pleasure uh, being able to talk with you this evening. And I appreciate you making the time to do so, especially considering how busy I'm sure you are between your podcast, your research, and all your books. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, this evening, I mean, that it, it, it worked out great when uh, you asked, uh, you know, if I could uh, do this time because it, it, it did. It, it, it turned out to be open and, and remain open, which, you know, sometimes you, you know how that goes. It, uh, you know, from day to day, things will change uh, uh, rapidly, very rapidly. Well, I'm glad this one seemed to go off without a hitch. We both popped in the room around the same time, and it's already flown good. So, you no, know, we're off to a really great start. <laughs> so for anybody that isn't familiar with you, um, I guess starting with your podcast before we get into all the heavy stuff, uh, like what do you do? What, do you, what exactly is your podcast, and uh, what do you do on it? Well, the uh, uh, my most recent podcast, and uh, I was asked by the host, Gene Steinberg, it's called The Paracast, and uh, you can find that at uh, uh, theparacast.com. It's that, that easy. But the, the Paracast has been around for, oh, my gosh, you know, more than 10 years, I think. It's probably probably longer than that. But I've been the co-host on uh, uh, the Paracast for uh, the past year. Uh, previously, I did a show uh, with uh, the late Timothy Green Beckley on uh, another network called Exploring the Bazaar. And uh, we did, gosh, we did that show for well, almost five years. So uh, when he when he passed away, then uh, uh, Gene Steinberg asked me if I wanted to uh, help him out with uh, with his show. And you know, sure, why not? You know, <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy doing it. And uh, and and the Paracast is heard on um, terrestrial radio stations across the country as well as. Uh, uh, st streaming afterwards, so you kind of get the best of 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 both worlds. 
So you're very diverse in the community, at least. But I feel like it all kind of starts to go hand in hand. Like once you become a researcher, now that you know everything's kind of transitioning, it seems like it, you slowly kind of become a podcaster. And if you don't become a podcaster, you end up being a frequent guest on podcast. Because honestly, it seems like podcasts are the best way to get out information about books and things. Because people aren't as prone to read nowadays, but they hear about a book on a podcast and kind of get a little rundown of it. It sparks the interest, you know, and it kind of gets people back into that concept of starting to read. And I feel like most podcasters at this point are definitely all readers, but I feel like it's starting to branch out more to the listeners where people are starting to really get into reading again after having a period where it seemed like it was kind of fading off or it was only certain groups of people that were still like reading, reading and everybody else was trying to get stuff through documentaries and stuff. But yes. And thank heavens for that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because, uh, uh, I've, I've written a number of books over the years and, uh, I want people to read them. And, uh, and new ones coming out. Please read them. Please read my books. <laughs> you know, uh, and and you're absolutely correct. I mean, you know, it seems like that you know over the past uh, ten years or so that if anybody does read, it's just more in like bite-sized chunks. So it always makes me happy to hear that uh, that people are getting back into uh, uh, books again. You know, and, and I have to admit, I mean, you know, I'm I'm guilty of it as well. I mean, there are some evenings where I just much prefer to get my tablet out and uh, you know, uh, just just you know, s- scroll you know, scroll through whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, and and just go for those bite sized digestible things. But they, you know, but then there are other days when I want to pull a book out and I want to get into a book, whether it be, you know, a fictional book or, or, or nonfiction. And, you know, I, I tend to read a lot of nonfiction because I'm always, in, I'm always researching, I'm always investigating, you know, not only uh, to keep my files updated, but for whatever book or, or article that I'm working on at the time. So, and, you know, you, you talked about how a lot of researchers are uh, have gotten into doing their own uh, podcast. You know, I've I've found that uh, I'm much more comfortable being uh, more of the co-host of somebody else's <laughs> podcast because uh, the times in the past when I've had my my own, it's just it's it's more fun for me to have somebody else there with me to, you know, bounce things off of, uh, uh, rather than just being myself and a guest. Uh, if there's, if there's two of us doing a show, then, you know, I mean, we can gang up on the guest if we have to sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't think we've ever ganged up on a guest, but you know, like somebody like the late Timothy Green Beckley, who was, you know, just a wonderful, beautiful person, uh, uh, to do a podcast, uh, 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 with because he was always so funny and uh, 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 very witty, and plus he had this encyclopedic knowledge of of UFOs and the whole phenomena and the history. You know, because uh, he started out in the like uh, uh, the very early 1950s as a teenager, getting into the UFO phenomena. So I mean, he uh, he knew everybody through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and was involved in uh, uh, conferences and publishing and things like that. So uh, uh, now I'm, I, I'm completely off what I, my, the, the uh, track that I was con- 
thinking I was going on, but let's just say, you know, that uh, it's it's always fun to do podcasts, but I, I find it more fun to kind of be the second banana a lot of times in these shows. <laughs> and with that, too, it's kind of one of those things where you, like, balance out what you're good at with somebody else that's good at other things. So it mm-hmm. takes a little bit of stress off of both ends when you know that, like, something that you're weak in, the other person can cover and vice versa. And just having two different ideas of things, because it seems like most co-hosts go in and, like, one of them's very open-minded or the other one's a little bit more logical and because of that you kind of get like a better meeting in the middle where you have somebody trying to rationalize something and somebody looking at it from like the little bit more out there side but it gives you a full perspective and honestly i feel like more often than not shows end up doing better with co-hosts because people like having that variety added into the show <laughs> yeah well with, with uh, beckley and myself i mean there was no variety we were both just crazy <laughs> <laughs> i mean you can yeah, label all of us in this community crazy, that yeah. way <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh, i'm gonna have to throw my cat out here he's decided the two have been <laughs> he's locked himself in the office with me and he wants out now just a second <laughs> oh yeah no rush all right sorry right. <laughs> Oh no worries at all. I got I got all way right. too many animals at this house too, so I totally understand. <laughs> well, I've got I've got one that that he hides in my office here in the back, and then naturally when I start talking, he comes out. And but at least this time he didn't make an appearance. Though sometimes <laughs> that ends up being the highlight of a show. You know, like, hey, remember when the cat showed up on that show? That was awesome. <laughs> I have more than enough of those on my show. I had one show. It was like really early when I was starting. Um, where I had a cabinet behind me back when I used to do stuff out in my kitchen and uh, my one cat tried to climb up on top of that and knocked it over and almost took me out with a toaster. So that's always a fun one that I like to make reference to on the show that a lot of the early listeners know about. <laughs> well, you know, you're saying that, uh, and, and, and I promise I won't talk about Tim Beckley through, through the entire episode, but that just, that just remind me, you know, uh, like myself, Tim Beckley, you know, did a lot of, of, uh, podcast being interviewed and there was one one time and tim beckley was like me you know once you get him talking you know you couldn't shut him up but i guess that uh the host and and it was an audio only show but somewhere along the line the host was intoxicated and fell asleep so tim tim is talking you know and then after a while he notices that you know he's not getting any questions and pretty soon you know he hears like a (laughs) in the background and and i guess somewhere along the line the guy actually like fell off his chair you know and you hear like this crash on the show so (laughs) that's almost like embarrassing and insulting at the same time like i feel bad for both ends of that. If he did it unintentionally, like, I don't know, like, you, you got to pay attention to your guest, you know, like, linger off of every word that they say, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure how that show ended. I don't know if Tim just, you know, said, well, uh, that's it. Uh, good night, folks. And just, <laughs> just let the network take him off. But uh, uh, so far, that hasn't happened to me, not yet, at least. So stay well, I promise you I won't yes. fall asleep with you on this show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, kind of getting into like your research end of stuff, um, I guess starting from the beginning, like what was like the first book that you wrote, and like what what was that research about? Mm. Well, the uh, um, the first book that I wrote that actually um, uh, got any any attention uh, was a book called "The Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla," and uh, uh, and you know I don't know if your audience is familiar with who Nikola Tesla is or was, 
but he was a, uh, a, a scientist in the 19th and, and early 20th century who basically, uh, you know, developed the whole uh, uh, AC uh, current technology that, that we're enjoying today. I mean, we wouldn't be able to be doing these, these shows if it wasn't for Tesla. And uh, 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 Tesla was like basically a super genius. He was like the uh, uh, early 20th century uh, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, not Michelangelo. Uh, but he was controversial because he had a lot of ideas that um, that couldn't be proven at the time. Like uh, his big dream was the uh, wireless transmission of electricity, and uh, you know, I mean, you know, we we've got like small versions of that today, you know, like the cordless charging of your uh, uh, your telephones. But Tesla had the dream that he could actually uh, broadcast electricity, and all you'd have to do is just have an antenna, you know, uh, up in your house and buried in the ground. And you'd be able to power your house without wires, you know. And uh, he also uh, came up in, sometime in the 1920s um, with a particle beam weapon, you know. And uh, he tried to he tried to convince uh, uh, countries that were in the process of entering World War II that he had this uh, you know this great defensive weapon that uh, you know if the uh, if a country that was being threatened by Germany had this, that it could knock uh, uh, planes out of the air before they even uh, got close to their borders. Uh, things, you know, things like that. Uh, so after Tesla died, a lot of his material was seized by the FBI and uh, uh, squirreled away, with the exception of uh, just lots and lots of his notes and material that, you know, were being kept in, you know, hotel basements, former assistants had a hold of it and thing like things like that. Uh, so that's basically what the Lost Journals of Nikola Tesla was about. You know, it was about the, uh, the, the, the search for these lost journals and uh, uh, the, the United States government's uh, attempt to get a hold of them, uh, other countries like, uh, you know, when Tesla was still alive, like Nazi Germany, you know, Soviet Union, things like that. So that, uh, that book, um, I wrote that in around 2000, and it hasn't been out of print since that time. I'll have to definitely scoop a copy of that. I've always been fascinated with that. And it's always been kind of messed up that essentially Edison came in and stole all the all the ideas for everything and manipulated it to where he could make money off of it, where Tesla was about like the free energy, doing everything essentially like for free. And that was partly why the government couldn't have it is because, you know, they got to make money off everything they possibly can. But uh, from your <laughs> right. research, I always like to ask people's opinion. Uh, the three, six and nine, when he always said, mm. like, you'll never understand things until you understand the power of three, six and nine. Uh, what was your understanding of that from your research? I have no idea. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. I've 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 researched that myself, and um, you know it's it, it's it's really it, it it's hard to say. Um, it may it may have something to do with uh, uh, Tesla attempted to um, create his own version of the unified field theory. That um, stumped Edison, not Edison, uh, Einstein, to an ease here, 
And uh, uh, Tesla actually uh, was in the process of, of writing up, you know, uh, how he was thinking the universe uh, worked. So the whole 369 may have something to do uh, uh, with that. You know, it's it's hard to tell because Tesla, if if he was alive today, he would be somebody that would probably be classified as being on the spectrum. All right. So um, he definitely had an obsession with numbers, certain numbers, 369. That's a good example. Uh, and uh, the way that he lived his life, especially later on, those numbers became an obsession with him to the point where he would have to, um, um, it would take him three times to enter a room. You know, he'd, he'd go in, he'd have to go out. Uh, uh, so he's so, probably more than likely, like, a, a, had some had some OCD disorder also on top of it. Yeah. It seem, seems like most of these genius type people have a lot of these, like, mental hang-ups. And, I mean, I'm sure that's part of the reason why they think differently, and that's why they're able to come up with all these things they do, is because their brain does work a little bit different than the average person's. Exactly. And uh, uh, with with, with Tesla, it became more predominant the older that he got. All right? Um, His his silverware had to be laid out in 369 types of of configurations. But, uh, uh, and you know, if you go online... And, I mean, there's all kinds of YouTube channels and things like that with people speculating, you know, all kinds of, you know, universal constants and, and why, you know, 369 has, has some kind of, you know, uh, importance in creation or or the pyramids were based on that. And, you know, it's uh, at this point, you know, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, you know, somebody who maybe has a better understanding of, of physics and uh, 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 mathematics up to that scale, you know, on a quantum level, you know, may be able to, to figure out But that's part of the mystery of spec uh, of, of Tesla is that, you know, he had all these great ideas, but he wasn't that great at writing things down. Uh, most of the time it was his assistants, his laboratory assistants that wrote things down. Uh, uh he actually, I mean, he wrote quite a bit for uh, uh, magazines and uh, newspapers, but when it came to writing down his experiments, uh, uh, what was going on, he, he always left that up to uh, somebody else, and then he'd sign off on it. So there was a lot of things that were boiling in his mind um, uh, that, who knows, uh, what he what he was thinking of, you know, so much of it, you know, ended up getting lost because he was also easily distracted. You know, he would be working on one thing, and all of a sudden, you know, he'd get an idea for something else, and then he'd go and work on that. You know, forgetting Sounds like about, an artist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, forgetting about what he'd been previously working on. Um, he had developed. He had developed a little device that uh, uh, is basically a resonator. And uh, all it was was it, it had a little motor, and it uh, you know you you could put it on say like the steel beam of a building, and it would start tapping at that steel beam, and it would work on it till it developed a resonance. All right, 
And if you got to that perfect point, you could actually cause that entire building to shake itself apart. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. His, his laboratory in Manhattan, he when he was working with that, it actually uh, uh, created tremors throughout the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, people thought that the, uh, uh, you know, the whole neighborhood was coming down, that there was an earthquake, you know, but it was actually Tesla doing this. And uh, he he turned it off and didn't really work on it again, mostly because something else distracted him, you know. So uh, uh, there's there's actually an episode of, um, gosh, what was the name of that show? Now I can't remember the name of the show um, where the uh, – where the two guys would go and and take take something just to to see if it actually work, and one one time they they decided to work with Tesla's uh, a, a resonator, but uh, uh, they made you know they made something in their little laboratory and then took it out to a bridge. And was it oh, MythBusters? MythBusters, that's the name of yep. it. Yes, I loved Myth. I love that show. Uh, they were working more on the idea of the old story that if uh, uh, soldiers uh, marching uh, across the bridge hit that certain resonance, that they could, uh, you know, take that bridge down. Uh, but since they couldn't get a whole squadron of soldiers to do that for the show, they built a little device, kind of like, kind of like what Tesla uh, uh, was working on, and uh, they couldn't get it really to work. So they said, "Nah, it's you know, it's it's busted." But uh, 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 Tesla made it work. Yeah, so I don't know what was wrong with them. Tesla did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of wonder if uh, he intentionally didn't write stuff down so that it was like people would have 90% of an idea, but they wouldn't have that 10% that actually makes it work. It was locked in his head knowing that people would steal his ideas. And a lot of the things he created, I mean, he was doing it for like, you know, the, for science, essentially, just because he was curious. But I feel like a lot of the things that he made, he was scared that people would use it as weapons if it got into the wrong hands. So you may have, again, purposely left out the little pieces to make things work so that people have the majority of the idea, but they don't have the main component so that they couldn't turn his things against him or steal his ideas, which was already a problem that people were stealing his ideas. Yes, that's exactly right, uh, uh, Tesla. Even though Tesla had patents on his inventions, um, you know, say somebody like Marconi, uh, you know, Marconi's original um, radio transmitter uh, he used uh, uh, items that were patented by Tesla, all right? But then he comes out, you know, after he, you know, made his successful broadcast across the Atlantic, you know, then he applied for a patent, and, you know, for the invention of radio and got it, even though Tesla was the one who had done it originally, you know, years before. And uh, uh, a lot of times... Tesla was rather big about it because he was interested in the advancement of science and, you know, the advancement of, of, of humanity. So if somebody was using one of his patents um, to help things along rather than to hinder them, then Tesla really didn't put up much of a fuss. But then you started having circumstances where people like Edison uh, uh, were doing things like that, making claims that you know, oh, you know, it was it was uh, uh, it was our laboratory that invented this, not Tesla's, and start raking in money. And at the same time, you know, 
calling Tesla a bunch of bad words. So after a while, even when Tesla would uh, um, put in a file, an application for a patent, he would leave things out of the patent deliberately so that if anybody tried to illegally duplicate his patent, it would never work because he had, you know, a, a component or a page that uh, that was missing. Um, there, there was a show that I was involved with a few years ago called The Tesla Files, uh, where the host actually managed to uh, go to uh, Belgrade, um, Used to be Yugoslavia. I'm not quite sure. Croatia now, maybe. <laughs> uh, one of those. <laughs> yeah, one of those. Um, but uh, the 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 Nikola Tesla Museum is located in that city, right? And uh, for a long time, and even into today, a lot of Western researchers were not allowed to go in and, you know, look at uh, uh, Tesla's files that they, uh, uh, that they have stashed away there. Uh, these, this, uh, the host of the show, they were able to do that to a certain extent, and they actually found uh, the, uh, a lot of the files and uh, blueprints, especially for Tesla's uh, wireless transmission of electricity and his uh, particle beam weapon. Uh, but they noticed that there were substantial parts uh, that were excluded uh, from these patents. Now, the curator of the museum told them that they actually had some of these stuffs that was missing there at the museum, but that the host didn't have the right passport to have access to it. So, I mean, mm. even here in the 21st century, a lot of stuff of Tesla's is still being kept secret for whatever reasons. I mean, it could be military use, but can you imagine the future and the world that we'd be living in today if Tesla ended up being the main component for electricity instead of Edison? Like, <laughs> we'd have free power at this point. Like, just, things would be way more advanced, in my opinion. And I mean, the stuff that he came up with, I'm sure, is still beyond our time, and that's why they're kind of holding on to it, because I'm sure that they... Are trying to figure it out themselves so that they can they can do it because if you know they let it be released to the public, then the public is going to start trying to create these things, and then essentially the government would have to pay to get it back from them, which of course they don't want to have to worry about that. They'd rather have their people working on it, not to worry about competition. Essentially, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, you know, the uh, Tesla had a specific idea on how his wireless transmission of electricity was going to work. Today, if you do the research on it to, and, and see what, um, you know, like modern uh, uh, physicists and engineers are doing with this idea, um, they've kind of missed the boat somewhat. They, the impression seems to me from the research that I've done is that uh, uh, everyone thinks that Tesla all he was going to do was just put up this big, uh, basically a giant Tesla coil and shoot out giant beams of, of electricity, you know, giant arcs of, of, of lightning 
to to be you know, picked up by you know every church steeple or you know high pointed object in in the area, but that that's not what Tesla had in mind. I mean, you know, his uh, uh, and and he never Tesla actually went to the point of of building a uh, a, a transmitter on land that he bought on Long Island, uh, uh, New York. He called it Wardenclyffe, and uh, uh, you know he, he he built the tower. He built the, uh, the 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 components that went underground, and the uh, 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 the the coal plant that was going to um, uh, power it at first. Uh, but uh, uh, unfortunately, the his benefactors that uh, uh, were were giving him money to to build this. He had neglected to tell them that uh, that this was going to be a uh, a, a demonstration of, of wireless electricity, knowing full well that these people would not be able to figure out how could they bill customers if they you know if you didn't have electricity coming in on a wire to the house into a meter, you know, uh, clocking off every kilowatt that's being used. And uh, and and sure enough, uh, well, he told them that this was going to be a um, like a radio transmitter that it would be able to transmit radio across the Atlantic. It would be able to develop uh, to uh, have you'd you'd have like a telephone system. Um, and eventually, Tesla even told them that uh, uh, television would be transmitted. Uh, uh, through uh, uh, through these towers, and yeah, uh, uh, the wireless transmission of electricity, <laughs> you know that <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, and and once they found out that that's that's what was going on, then they pulled their funds, and uh, they and then they actually uh, sued him, and took him to court, and uh, and then of course um, Edison uh, uh, jumped in. And it, it turned into just a great big cluster, you know, you know what, uh, against Tesla. And, um, you know, he never had the, 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 the reputation, uh, that he had in the past after that point, which was completely undeserved, you know, because, uh, you know, he, the newspapers called him, you know, a mad scientist, you know, despite mm-hmm. the fact that this was the guy who built, you know, like the uh, uh, um, uh, the electrical generation uh, uh, system at Niagara Falls. You know, to, and they're trying to demonize him essentially because you know exactly. they, they it's the free power thing. They didn't like that, so they try to make him look like a bad guy. And from what I've heard, pretty much ended up passing away alone too, where you didn't really have anybody that really recognized him for anything. And then it wasn't until like years later, you know, coming up to you know probably like what twenty, thirty years ago, that people really started getting back into the whole Tesla concept. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, the funny thing about it is that, uh, 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 Tesla was actually kept under close observation the last years of his life by, you know, the FBI. Uh, they actually, the last place that he lived was a, uh, uh, a hotel in Manhattan called the New Yorker. And there was actually FBI agents in apartments on the same floor floor that he lived and uh, uh, on the floor underneath him. So they, they kept a close watch on him, you know, even in his final days uh, uh, because he was still doing experiments, you know, 
uh, he had that the, the New Yorker actually gave him space um, in the upper levels for him to uh, have a laboratory to uh, uh, to continue his research. So uh, there uh, and and there was still there was still money coming in uh, to him. He had people who uh, would give him monthly stipends, you know, just uh, because they still believed in him. You know, they still believed in his work and what he could do. Uh, but of course, you know, at that point, he was in his oh gosh, what late seventies. Uh, uh, he had been uh, like the previous year. He had been hit by a taxi cab and had been injured quite a bit, so his health was rapidly failing. Uh, but uh, but they still, you know, the government, despite the fact that claiming that they weren't interested in his inventions, were still watching him for, you know, whatever reasons. I mean, you know, the, the research that I uncovered was that um, – Nazi Germany was extremely interested in getting a hold of his stuff and probably managed to to do so. Uh, Hitler actually had uh, issued an order that they wanted him kidnapped and uh, and taken to Berlin, you know, to, to, to work for him. Uh, but uh, fortunately, that didn't happen. It, 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 that would have been really hard because, like I said, he was he was almost an invalid and, and couldn't. Uh, um, he could walk to the nearby park to feed his pigeons, uh, but that was about it. <laughs> Do you think that, uh, you know, considering that the Nazis had interest in him, they were very much into, like, occult projects, uh, portals, things like that. Do you think that they were more interested in his literal inventions that everybody knows about? Or do you think that they are more interested in his more hidden side where he may have been getting into these different portals and like interdimensional concepts? Mm, little from column A, a little from column B. It wasn't so much uh, the, uh, 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 the the portals and things like uh, that. They were interested in his, uh, the wireless transmission of electricity. Of course, you know, uh, you think about uh, uh, the benefits that could have, say, like, you know, frontline fighters, if mm -hmm. they had the ability to, say, just uh, 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 you know, take out a little uh, 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 box, put up an antenna, and they'd have all the uh, electricity they wanted that was being transmitted, you know, miles back behind the lines. Uh, as well, the um, his uh, 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 death beam the uh, particle beam weapon that, that, that he was working on. There was a lot of interest in that. And, and in fact, he did sell the, uh, um, the blueprints to that uh, to the Soviet Union through a front company uh, that was uh, uh, in the United States at the time. Um, and obviously, they must have been happy with what they got because a few years later, they gave him you know, even more money. You know, for for the process, but not much is really known uh, uh, what the Soviet Union was able to do at the time uh, uh, with the with those blueprints. Years later, in the nineteen eighties, a satellite, uh, a spy satellite from the United States, actually uh, took a picture of something in Siberia that looked suspiciously like. A, uh, a, a a Russian version of a Tesla particle beam weapon. So you know it may have taken them all that time, late 1930s, you know 1980s, to actually develop you know, build something that that could work. 
But um, you know, back to your original question about uh, uh, Nazi Germany and Hitler, it could be that they were interested in Tesla's ideas on field propulsion, uh, anti-gravity, all right? Uh, at, at the time, the Nazis were, were in the process of trying to come up with any kind of new technology that they could to you know, help uh, uh, help defeat the West, and uh, uh, one of the things that they were looking at was all kinds of different uh, um, uh, exotic propulsion systems. You know, I mean, Nazi Germany they they developed the first uh, uh, jet plane. Uh, they they were working on a flying wing, which is uh, you know, I mean, we see that now. You know, with the uh, the the stealth fighters and, and bombers. I mean, so the idea that you could use something other than force, a propeller or jet, uh, to, to get a vehicle up in the air, that was intriguing. And so, you know, they they really were interested in Tesla's ideas along those lines. <clears throat> So uh, starting to kind of stretch it out into some other stuff, because I definitely want to cover a couple of your books, at least in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to definitely cover your most new book, but going into the middle, uh, what are, I'd say, some of your like favorite books that you wrote that you know you felt that you put the most research and time into? Mm-hmm. Mm, gosh. Um, well, And I've I've written so many of them that you know I've, I've, I've forgotten the names of, of of some of them. But you know some of the more popular ones um, dealt with uh, uh, time travel. You know that's that's always a popular uh, uh, subject, and I, you know I've, I I always get a lot of uh, of, of good response um, from my time travel books, and I, you know I've got a couple of them, um, and 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 just the whole. Uh, uh, the whole idea of whether or not uh, time travel is possible, whether or not it's a reality, uh, whether people will ever have the ability, you know, to um, to break the time barrier. Uh, but you know, one of the one of my favorite aspects of the time travel books is the uh, time slip stories. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, a time slip is a phenomenon, seemingly a natural phenomenon, as far as, as far as we know, where somebody, you know, say, you know, they're, they're, they're walking down the street and suddenly find themselves in a completely different environment. The sidewalk will change under their feet from concrete to brick, the cars on the road will disappear to be replaced by horse-drawn carriages. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, all their senses will have the, uh, the same kind of experience. You know, they'll, they'll smell the, the, the smoke in the air from the coal fires. They'll hear, you know, people talking, uh, in, you know, like maybe, a, a dialect that, you know, would be considered old fashioned now and see people that are, you know, dressed in old fashioned uh, clothing, and then most of the time, uh, just as quickly as it comes, it disappears, and a person will find themselves back in their original time. You know, so the and and there's just gosh, there's just you know hundreds, thousands 
of of personal stories that I've collected over the years of of, of people who who have had these experiences. And and you know, there's some really famous ones too that you know a lot of people uh, have written about. Uh, over and over and over again, and I'm I'm just as guilty because some of them are, are just you know just absolutely uh, uh, you know in, in, incredible. It was like the the one story about the uh, couple from uh, the UK that uh, they were on vacation in uh, France, and um, they stopped at a hotel uh, uh, one night looking for a room, and they were told that. Uh, you know, there's no room there, but if they go down the road and, you know, make a left at, uh, you know, at the, the big tree, that they would find, you know, a smaller inn that uh, probably they'd be able to get a room on. Well, when they followed those directions, they came across this inn that, you know, appeared to them, I mean, it, it looked really old-fashioned. I mean, there was no glass in the windows. There were just wooden shutters. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the doors to the rooms didn't have locks. They just had, like, you know, metal latches. Uh, but, they you know, they, they, they spent the night. They had breakfast the next day. Uh, they, they took pictures of themselves in front of this place. And, uh, and then they went on uh, with their trip. On their way back, they're like, "Hey, let's stay at that great place." Well, well, first of all, when they got their bill, it was like, you know, for all three, for all four of them, it was two couples. It was like five francs, you know. I mean, just an outrageous <laughs> price. Uh, so they're like, you know, on their on their way back, they're like, "Hey, let's stay at that place again," you know, five francs, you know, a great breakfast and all that. They could never find it again. They, they went to the location. They were sure they were at the right location. They followed, you know, when they went back a couple of times, you know, trying to find this place, never could find it again. And the weird thing about it is, is that uh, um, the, the the BBC actually did like a little documentary on this one time. And uh, uh, their researchers did the same thing, retraced the steps, uh, couldn't find anything, asked the people in the area, because, you know, because they had a... a they were certain that they had found the place, but there was no building there and no indication that there had ever been a building there. And, you know, some people, you know, seem to remember that maybe that there had been an inn, you know, back at the, you know, like the, the, the late 19th, early 20th century. But then other people said, no, there, there wasn't anything there. It, you know, it's, it, it was a mystery. And the weird thing about it is, is that the pictures that they took of themselves in front of this place were not even on the roll. All right, it was <laughs> it was like um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to remember now if uh, you know because, because when this happened, they they used like a film camera. Uh, but you know, it, it wasn't even a situation where, like, you know, the pictures were blurry or, you know, like something you'd see on the Twilight Zone. They just weren't there. You know, it, it, it was like that the camera just skipped over that section. And uh, so, I mean, that's, you know, it, it's stories like that, you know, time slip stories that, that, that really fascinate me uh, because it makes me wonder if our whole concept of, of time is if if is is mistaken and i and i'm and i'm sure it is to a certain extent 
but I, I, I wonder whether or not if we don't live in a multiverse type of universe where there is an infinite number of, of realities and that uh, uh, these time slip episodes are rather than, than people actually going backwards or forwards in time are actually somehow skipping over into a parallel reality that may be slightly slower time-wise than ours. So if you would go over into that reality, it would be like the, you know, late 19th century rather than, than it is, than it is now. While one right a little further over, maybe faster. And, you know, you'd go over to that. It would be more like a future, uh, uh, uh type of reality. You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's one of these things that, that, that I like to, discuss in these books to try to get people to think beyond you know that uh, the 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 science fiction type of meme of the guy getting into the time machine and setting the little dials and pulling the lever and you know going into the past and and sleeping with his grandmother and and being his own grandpa and that and that, and that sort of thing <laughs> you know uh because i think that the whole uh, 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 you know, time, space, uh, uh, ultimate reality of our universe is just so completely outside of our current state of understanding that um, uh, it's 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 just going to be just really out of our grasp for for quite a long time until we do until we get a better understanding of of our place in this universe and how the universe actually works you know because i mean it's 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 really i i do i mean i i think it's going to be probably you know 500 or a thousand years into the future before we get that kind of understanding uh you know just just because of the whole high strangeness of a lot of these stories that I have run across dealing with it. Particularly in that one, I almost kind of wonder if they were in another dimension, so to speak, and then they, they slipped into our dimension and it was maybe just like a slight tiny variation mm -hmm. and they actually came from another dimension. And that's why that thing had been there. And once they moved over into this one, then, you know, it didn't exist within that dimension. So kind of like flipping it into a different perspective. Um, I've heard a lot of stories of people where they'll like wake up one day and then like they'll have a different breed of dog and they'll question to the, their significant other. Like we had a lab. They're like, no, we've always had a German shepherd. I don't know mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, even within like dreams, not dreams, but like if uh, we aren't necessarily like tied to our like physical being, if you kind of get into that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, almost makes you wonder if it's like, if there's multiple use in other realities, if at certain times it's possible for you guys to like switch, switch your consciousness where you're still the same person, but you're a different variation of yourself in a different reality. And that, per that one switches with you in a sense. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, the research that I have done starting out with these time travel books, which, you know, I mean, when I started, I, I, I was, I, I was actually looking for, you know, those, those types of stories about, you know, a guy fooling around with a, you know, a radio or something. And, you know, I, and 
finds himself uh, in in the future or, or, or in the past. And there are stories like that. Uh, but uh, the more that I have looked into them, the more I am convinced that um, that time travel, as we you know, as, as we like to think, you know, like the the Einsteinian type of of of, of time travel, uh, may not be possible because of the whole multi universe thing getting in the way. That uh, you know, if, if if you do attempt to do some kind of time travel, you actually find yourself then skipping across, you know, some of these uh, alternative realities. And of course, when you do that, then that creates more alternative realities, you know, like the, uh, the, the branching off of, uh, you know, from, from a tree or a bush, you know, I mean, every time that you do something, then a new reality will start shooting out, you know, uh, uh, away from that kind of like, you know, preventing a, a, a grandfather paradox, which would never happen because you always are creating these these other branches of, of realities. You know, it, it, it's the same theory that uh, um, I think it's, you know, it, it's part of the, uh, the, 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 the Copenhagen uh, theory of quantum physics of, of multiple universes that every decision that we make then creates a reality that then you travel on, you know, uh, away from your initial reality based on that flip of the coin, you know, yes, no, you know, do I go this, this direction or, or that direction? And uh, uh, so because of this, I've speculated, you know, like you said, it, it may be that whatever our essence is, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, your soul, spirit, whatever, maybe exists all across these multiple realities, all across these infinite number of realities, that each one of these different yous in these realities is still you, all right? There's no, you know, doppelganger, uh, 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 a Tim in this uh, uh, other universe. It's still me. Okay, it's still my uh, uh, my soul. You know, but things are you know partitioned off, so to speak. So you don't you're not uh, um, you're not driven crazy. You know, <laughs> by these different realities all going through your head at once. Uh, which I mean, there there could very well be. Uh, some types of mental illness, uh, 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 schizophrenia, for example, where for these people, maybe that barrier has dropped down a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, they're experiencing these ultimate, these, these other realities. But when you dream at night, I've wondered whether or not there are times that you aren't actually uh, experiencing uh, uh, some of these uh, alternate uh, realities, because I, you know, I know I've had them. You've had everyone's had them. Where you've, you've had these dreams where you're dealing with people that in your dreams you've known them all of your life. You know, you can even remember uh, uh, history with people, things that you've done, places that you've gone. You know, you 
you do things that you're very familiar with. And then when you wake up, you're just like, that's weird. I don't know that person. I've never been to, mm-hmm. you know, but then, <laughs> but you're also left a lot of times with this feeling that, wow, I knew that person and now they're gone. And you, you know, there's almost like this, oh, wow, you know, there's kind of like almost like, like, like a heartache associated, you know, with some of these dreams when you wake up. So, I mean, you know, it's, uh, there, there's a possibility that you are experiencing, you know, these, 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 uh, uh these, these other realities. And the same goes for, um, reincarnation that, you know, people talk about, uh, their past lives or future lives. Well, if, if time as physicists are speculating, if time exists, past, present, and future, all at the same time, and this was something that Tesla said as well, then you wouldn't be experiencing a past life because that life is going on right now at this very same time that we're sitting here talking on this podcast, all right? And you're just, uh, when you have these, you know, past life experiences, you're actually experiencing what's going on at the same time that you're having, you know, your, your, your daily experience. You know? The only difference is, is that since there is no past, present, future, you can actually see your past life from the beginning, middle, and end. You just can't do that. You can't do that in your present, but you can do that in your, you know, past lives or or even your future lives. So going into like the whole time traveling concept too, um, one question that I always like to like to question about is going into like the uh, the laws of time travel. Um, the way I kind of see it is if time travel is theoretically possible, they say that it's like the, the paradox where you go back and you alter something that is going to alter the future. But the way I kind of see it is if you're in this current reality, what this dimension and you go back in time that already technically would have happened at that point, or if time's not linear, it's already happening. So if you go back in time, would you, theoretically even alter anything or would it would it have already happened and that's what contributed into your reality in the future or is it one of those things kind of like how you were explaining uh where it's like you almost create a new reality variant from that and then it's not that your original reality was affected at all it's just that you created a new split reality Mm -hmm. yeah um right now the uh uh popular hypothesis with a lot of physicists is called the block universe, which is uh, uh, like I described it, you know, the, uh, uh, the past, present, and future all exist at the same time. It's just a matter of location. I, I'm not even going to begin to try to understand how that works. Uh, Because, I mean, you know, my, my brain is set in, you know, three dimensions and can't, you know, go beyond uh, that. Uh, but the idea of the block universe is that somewhere, somewhere in this universe is our, is our past. Somewhere in these universe is our future. And it's just a matter of, of getting to it. You know, um, I do have a theory on this, by the way, oh, I've been okay. it's perfect that we're talking about this, uh, cause I've been talking about this in my last couple of shows. It kind of came up in conversation. I've been building onto it every, every time I get a chance to, but 
when it comes to time travel, just something that I've been kind of entertaining lately is that a lot of these people talk about vibration, frequencies, different things like that. So when you go into like biblical times, there's a lot of conspiracy around the fact that people didn't see the color blue. So my question is, is it possible that if you match up your sound frequency with a certain spectrum of light frequency, could that be the key into getting to certain points in time? Because maybe if you're within a certain period, there's a light spectrum that that's in, but you don't recognize it because you were born into it and you've always seen it. So your eyes almost like don't register it because you're looking past it. So if you found a way to match up your, your like hearing frequency, because sound frequency could have changed through time, it could be getting lower, it could be getting higher. And if you're able to match back up that frequency of the time with the exact light spectrum of the time, which would be the hard part to figure out, if that could theoretically be a way that it's like you wouldn't be time traveling, but it's almost like your environment around you would be altered to be able to see that period of time and you would be in that period of time. But, you know, asking somebody that's done a lot of research into it, I'm kind of curious your opinion of it, but it kind of popped up and I've been kind of expanding on this idea mm-hmm. lately. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I mean, I that's for, you know, from what we know now, that's that's an explanation that could be as good, you know, as as any of the others. And, you know, really, I needs you know, you need you need to uh, look a little further, you know, into that, because I, you know, I love that. I love that idea. That's uh, uh, it's that the, the, that's very intriguing and and very similar to um there was a a Catholic priest back in the '60s who was actually um, he he worked in Italy and was associated with the Vatican, and um, his expertise was Gregorian chants. All right, and he came up with the idea that if energy can neither be created or destroyed, then People singing in the past, that sound must still exist. That energy must still be around somewhere. So he claimed that he invented this device. And uh, uh, the the descriptions that have come out about it would be almost like a hyperbaric uh, chamber. It was like a metal uh, 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 room that uh, you you could go into and through you know whatever whatever process it would be able to um, hone in on these past energies and and then you could you you could watch them almost like a uh, uh, like on a television and uh, uh, it's very controversial for its time I I, mean, I remember in the early 70s there were some pictures uh, uh, released that uh, this 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 priest claimed that he had taken one of them was like um, the picture of, of, of Jesus face dying on the cross that, that he claimed this picture was taken with this device that, that, that he had invented. Uh, but the, uh, the, the Vatican, uh, I guess, you know, put a kibosh, uh, you know, on any further information coming out about this. So we really don't know. And, and he also, he did what he was trying to do. He recorded, I guess a bunch of of medieval Gregorian chants, and then wrote them down and had them published, uh, and experts know that you know he wrote this stuff, but couldn't quite figure out how he managed to find this lost material. He said that he got it through this uh, time machine 
you know, that he, you know, invented that was able to find these, uh, these vibrations, how he was able to hone in on them. You know, I'm not quite sure that's, that's, uh, you know, that's part of the controversy, you know, about it. There's a, there's a book written about it that, uh, you know, if you Google it, you can probably find it. I've got it somewhere in the house, but <laughs> my library is vast and overflowing. <laughs> that's never a bad thing yeah, there's just always right. something so tangible about having books <laughs> yeah well you know <laughs> say that to my wife yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know one of the things that you know you had asked about uh, you know time travel if and and the idea that you know if you travel in the past you could create a paradox um you know like the grandfather you know a paradox um, my idea is more along the lines that, um, if you do manage to travel into the past, you know, it, it's kind of like you said, um, you don't create a paradox because the universe fixes that by creating a whole separate timeline that then diverges mm -hmm. off from the one that you originally came from. Problem is, is that a time traveler will never be able to return back to the present time that he originated from because he's no longer in resonance to it. You know, he's, he's now uh, uh, resonating for in a completely new uh, timeline may not develop that much different from the one he came from may end up, you know, wildly different to, you know, to the whole, uh, uh, what is it like the, uh, the, the butterfly effect uh, type of thing. Uh, so, you know, I think that if if time travel could be a re reality, you know, me mechanically, electronically, whatever, that that is will probably end up being, you know, what would happen to a time traveler again if the universe isn't a block universe where the past, present, and future exist all at one time and always has, and it can never be changed. That's the whole idea about the block universe. Think about the universe being sealed in glass, forever unchanging. You could travel to the past, no problem, interact, but that's because you were supposed to. That's because mm -hmm. you did. You know, same way, possibly, with, with traveling, you know, if you could travel to the future, same way. You travel to the future because you were supposed to. You had no other choice. It was, it's already built in place. And, of course, you know, the, the block universe hypothesis is, is really unpopular because people are like, oh, what about free will? You know, I want my free will. This is like, well, how much free will do we actually have? You know, to begin with. <laughs> True. I mean, there might already even be examples of this happening because you go back to like uh, a bunch of ancient like depictions of things and there's things that look like helicopters, there's things that look like planes. Like that could almost show that maybe there has been time travel because I feel like if it becomes a known thing, it's at no point ever going to be available to the public because they don't know what somebody could potentially do with it. Um, they could have already be doing this and have been doing it. And half of the things that we can't explain from back in history could have been because they had intervention from present day, but it's the heart of history because like you were saying, it already happened because it was intended to happen. And that's the reason why we're in the reality that we're in now 
is because of people from the future going back and possibly dropping off devices and things. Like we could be looking at extraterrestrials, like they're a whole different race being. Like maybe it's us thousands of years in the future, and we're going back to try to make it so that maybe we we're thinking maybe that we could create a different future, not realizing that we already have done this. And that's the reason why we're in the future that we're in. <laughs> oh, well, you know, they see that that's, that's one of my favorite theories um, about the, uh, about the UFO mystery is that, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, there, there's, there's a possibility that, uh, that UFOs are time travelers that, uh, 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 and they, you know, I mean, they, they could be extraterrestrial time travelers, too, you know, uh, or, or a combination of all of the above, you know, because you'll face it, if if human beings are able to, you know, not, not blow ourselves up in the next, you know, 100 years or so and are able to continue on into the far enough future where they're able to develop time travel, more than likely at that point, they've also, you know, run across somewhere or another uh, extraterrestrial races. You know, the universe is way too big not to have, you know, other intelligences out there. So uh, uh, if, if these future people, humans, extraterrestrials, all of the above, they know from history that at around this time, people are seeing things in the sky and are having encounters uh, with beings who claim to be extraterrestrials. And it's like, hey, that's a great cover. You know, now we can go back into the past, you know, see what's going on. If anybody runs across this, you know, oh, hey, yeah, we're from Zeta Reticuli. Yeah, that's it. You know? um, aliens. Yeah, here, look at the aliens. You know, uh, because face it, if you're driving down the road and this uh, 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 UFO lands in front of you and these guys get out and start collecting rocks and plants and stuff, and they tell you that they're from another planet, you're probably going to believe them. You're not going to say, oh, mm -hmm. I don't know. You look like time travelers to me. You know, no, no. You know, if they, they say that, yeah, we're from, uh, you know, Alpha Centauri. Yeah, you, you're probably going to accept them, you know, accept their word for it. You know, who are you to question, you know, these guys coming out of a flying saucer? So, uh, 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 and I think that uh, uh, because of that, that may be an answer for some of these, you know, little niggling mysteries um, that I've come across when it comes to the whole UFO phenomena, because a lot of times these occupants seem to have a really good knowledge of the people that they're talking to. You know, I mean, if, 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 if they, they are, could have advanced cloaking devices too, just an extra thing. You know, if they're from the future, they could. We already have stuff like that now. They mm -hmm. could even have something in the future where they could almost like hit a button, camouflage themselves as any virtual image that they want to. And we see that. We see that in these UFO reports. You know, I mean, you know, you think about all of the different uh, uh, shapes and sizes of these UFO occupants. You know, I mean, it, it, it seems like very rarely that uh, um, 
on these reports that you run across the same kind of occupants with the exception of the more, you know, recent sightings of the, you know, the big eyed uh, gray uh, creatures, you know, before that time, I mean, you know, you had everything you had, you know, giants, little people, you know, things that glowed, things that, you know, uh, uh, wiggled on the ground. I mean, uh, just, just all kinds of things uh, uh, coming out of, of, of UFOs. So, you know, if, um, if you are dealing with a, uh, a race that's capable of time travel, then, you know, what, what better way to disguise yourselves, you know, uh, 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 than, you know, trying not to risk, you know, uh, uh, exposing that, yeah, you know, you know, we, we are time travels, you know, because for whatever reason, that probably, you know, would have, more dire consequences than uh, people finding out that uh, we're being visited by, you know, beings from other planets. You know, if it said people found out that, you know, we're being visited by it, by time travelers, um, that, uh, that would really probably would have uh, a, a really serious uh, repercussions, um, you know, for, you know, for all kinds of different reasons, because, if we are dealing with time travelers, all right, more than likely they are also working with people from other times. Um, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these reports of, of of people saying that they've been taken inside of ships, they'll see not only the alien types of creatures, but there'll also be humans in there as well. Sometimes, you know, humans dressed in, you know, suits and ties or, you know, in military garb. So, I mean, you know, what if, you know, through various times, these time travelers have contacted, you know, say like the military or the government or scientists and are using them as well? Uh, you know, so there, there, there could be this, this big, and I hate to use the word conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. It's fitting though. <laughs> as, as, soon, as soon as I, you know, and, and I've written a lot about conspiracies too, but, uh, but there's a lot of people that have ruined it recently. So I, you know, I try to avoid that now, but you know, there, there, there really could be, you know, like this, this conspiracy of different uh, types of people. You know, working with these uh, with with the time travelers through through healthy ages. You know, uh, and, and, and I know you know, you know people maybe just coming into this conversation and be like, "What the hell, this guy is." <laughs> <laughs> we get weird on this show, though, so it's expected. <laughs> well, but you know, the the point I was I was making is that you know, a lot of times these UFO occupants really have an intimate knowledge of the people that they have encountered, which you wouldn't think would be likely if you're dealing with, say, just like explorers from another planet who are coming here to get, you know, rock and plant samples. You know, they wouldn't be able to land, and if somebody, you know, ha runs across them, you say, oh, yeah, you're Joe. You know, your uncle is going to die in a car crash two weeks from now, or, you know, you're going to move to New Hampshire and live at such and such address in 10 years, which you find that a lot in some of these uh, uh, close encounter cases where there, there really is, you know, a, a, a knowledge that seems to be beyond the uh, uh, abilities of, 
you know, just simple extraterrestrials. <laughs> I mean, if they have advanced technology all around, they may even have advanced technology where they could almost like, I mean, forms of communication where, you know, you get into the whole idea of people essentially being able to read other people's minds once they get advanced to a certain point, or they may even have some type of technology where, you know, essentially they can scan somebody and be able to see that person's full timeline and get like a full well-rounded picture of that person or that community too. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, uh, in, in a lot of these cases, um, even though, the appearance is tried to be made of happenstance that, you know, it's just an accident that this guy was, you know, out for a walk one evening and this UFO landed in this field and they, you know, they took them on board and, you know, did, did whatever, you know, I, I think that a majority of these cases, it's not that it, you know, it, 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 it was a deliberate action. Uh, you know, even, even some of these, you know, weird stories where, you know, the, the guys come out of the flying saucer and they're, you know, running around doing things and then realize that they're being watched and, and have the nerve to look surprised, you know, and, and get back in their, their, their ships and, and, and fly away. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that there are cases. You know, where there was, you know, a genuine surprise. But, uh, I think that a lot of these cases, it's, it's in a deliberate action that, that these people were meant to have these experiences for whatever reason. You know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, we can go off on a whole completely different tangent on, you know, these, these people who have had these experiences who have had their lives changed sometimes for the better, sometimes for, for the worse. I mean, if you throw out the idea of these extraterrestrials possibly being like time travelers, um, like from your research, like what do, what do you think is like the reasoning for abductions and all these different encounters happening with other races? Like, what do you think that their, their possible intentions are just at least from your perspective? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, First of all, I think that the whole that the, the the UFO phenomena is probably a number of different things. Um, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not entirely throwing out the extraterrestrial hypothesis. You know, I mean, as big as the universe is, you know, I mean, it's I it's just inconceivable to me that we would be the only intelligent life in the entire universe, all right? But I think that we're also dealing with phenomena that may be Earth-based, that mimics the UFO phenomena and uh, 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 does things that work within our cultural expectations of something along those lines. Um, if 200 years ago, something glowing appeared in the night with glowing creatures walking around and talking to you, you would interpret them as angels or demons or fairies. And there are lots and lots of stories uh, uh, like that, that we've seen throughout history. Well, Nowadays, we don't believe in, most of us don't believe in angels and fairies and demons. We see something like that, it's an extraterrestrial. 
So, you know, there, there could be that, 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 as John Keel put it, that ultra terrestrial aspect where there is something, some other intelligence that lives alongside us that for whatever reason, um, interacts with us in various different ways, uh, and has done so throughout history. Uh, you know, some people have referred to them as like tricksters, you know, that, uh, it's, it's, and it's, it's not individual beings, but an intelligence that for whatever reason does things to keep us on our toes. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and you see that a lot, uh, um, with the UFO phenomena. I mean, uh, you know, if you're dealing strictly with extraterrestrials, then, you know, why do some of these experiencers after they've had, uh, or sometimes even before they've, they've had the UFO experience, uh, will find their house haunted, uh, with, uh, especially poltergeist activity, uh, uh, things, uh, doors will slam. They'll hear footsteps, uh, uh, items will, will, will disappear. They're, they're hear voices, and things like that. A lot of times, um, ghosts and hauntings seem to go hand in hand with uh, uh, UFO experiences. Same way with uh, certain uh, uh, cryptid sightings. Uh, uh, Tim Beckley always used to like to tell the story that uh, he was looking into this case in Ohio where um, uh, a man and his son had seen this uh, 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 brightly lit object landing in their uh, uh, farm field one night, and their dog actually ran off toward it and disappeared. You know, the next day, they found it. It looked like that it had been you know smooshed under something heavy, unfortunately. Well, Tim went and was uh, talking to the neighbors and wanting to know, uh, just going door to door, uh, uh, and, and asking the neighbors if uh, they had uh, seen anything themselves. And uh, uh, this one woman who lived just a couple doors down, she goes, no, I haven't seen any UFOs, but, uh, but you know, the, the, the Bigfoot have been uh, pretty busy around the neighborhood in the last uh, <laughs> month or so and uh, told Tim that uh, something big and hairy would uh, come over to her house at night and she had one of these uh, window air conditioners that, you know, would drip water. And whatever it was would get under this air conditioning and would drink the water that was being, that was dripping out of it. She would find like these huge footprints, uh, underneath, uh, this, this air conditioning in the mud, like the next day. So, I mean, that's, that's the type of thing that you see a lot of times with the UFO phenomena. I mean, it just, it, 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 it goes, in all kinds of different directions, if you take the time to look for those different directions. And, you know, and with a lot of people who are strictly, you know, the nuts and bolts, uh, 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 UFO uh, believers, um, you know, it's uh, what I'm talking is, 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 is heresy, you know, because it's like, no, UFOs are physical extraterrestrial craft from other planets nothing else. And I'm more along the lines of, okay, I believe you, but I think instead of nothing else, it's everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, wrap your mind around that because it seems like that, you know, uh, if you try to eliminate one thing, then 10 more, you know, pop out mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to confound you. 
I mean, one enter- idea that I kind of like to entertain sometimes is that if we are living in some type of like, I don't like using the word simulation, so I kind of use like organic simulation because I don't like to imagine it as like a computer program. Right. But if we are in some type of organic simulation, that might explain why we don't seem to see things that are like out of our solar system, so to speak. But that being said, my question is, is if some of these extraterrestrials could theoretically be the things outside of the system and the spacecrafts, them coming in, that could be like how they come into the system to check up on the system, to fix the system, to update the system. And there could be potential glitches in the system, which could be the paranormal phenomenon and it could also be the cryptid phenomenon and that might be why there's such an interest of why ufos seem to be in those areas is because they know there's a glitch and they're trying to come into the system to possibly fix that glitch so that it it doesn't get figured out that all of it is a system because just like anything you know there could be people that are like program not people but beings like programming the system and i'm sure just like people there's probably some that like to do things just because it's funny so there might be things that are programming the system on the outside and purposely putting glitches in and then there's people creatures, whatever you want to call them, coming in to fix those glitches that somebody else did on purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I I think I think I think that's a great idea. And it's, you know, somebody somebody else talked about that one time, uh, you know, about the whole idea that uh, uh, and, and they were using the, uh, uh, the 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 universe as a simulation, you know, uh, uh, idea. And, and and they were saying that, you know, like any kind of of program um, you're never going to be entirely free of bugs. You know, uh, bugs are going to creep in, and that's what you see, you know, in our universe with these things that we can't explain. You know, say, you know, say Bigfoot was something that actually, you know, lived a million years ago, but you know, uh, a glitch in the programming, you know, has them walking around, you know, occasionally uh, uh, in, in, you know, in, in modern times, you know, same goes for, you know, these people who claim that they have seen, you know, actual physical dinosaurs, you know, in the desert. Mm-hmm. You know? And as far as I know, you know, there, there aren't any dinosaurs <laughs> still running around in the desert, yet we have reports of people seeing them. You know, if there were physical dinosaurs running around the desert, then, you know, probably school children would be snatched up all the time, you know, and, 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 you know, <laughs> left a bloody, uh, bloody mess. But like a lot of these strange phenomena, you know, it's, uh, uh, they run around for a while, then they disappear. So, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, the idea that, um, that, that we're experiencing glitches, you know, in the fabric of our, of our reality is I don't think that's, you know, that's, that's too far uh, outside of, of, um, uh, of contemplating. It's almost like adding another character into the system too. Cause I mean, somebody potentially, again, if they're trying to be funny or for whatever reason, they may have a malicious reason, you know, they create a character and they put it in the system to see what it'll do. That could explain like what a Bigfoot is, is just somebody created this, this thing and they just throw it in the system sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or it could be a complete other, other idea where maybe they intentionally throw these glitches into the system. So rather than looking into the bigger world, you're looking at what's right in front of you. So it's almost distracting you from the possibility of everything being an organic simulation because you're fixated on this thing that's within your reality <laughs> because it's weird. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the, uh, I, th- I think the entire human experience is is kind of set up to be that way to keep us distracted 
you know, from mm-hmm. from what's really going on. Uh, and you know, now, now I'm sounding like a conspiracy theorist. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> uh, the Illuminati is keeping you t- <laughs> distracted so you don't know what's really going on. You know? <laughs> but I mean, it's intentional, though. Not even going on is because of some conspiracy stuff. Like even just in the real world. Right in front of everybody. There's a lot of things, even in news media, for example, like that will throw you into this direction so you're not looking in this direction. Oh, yeah. So it's not unprobable. Like you see it in the real world all the time. Politicians do it constantly. Like it's, it becomes a conspiracy just because of the wording of it, but it's intentional throwing people off so that they're not looking at what you're actually doing. You know, look over here because I'm doing something over here. It's that sleight of hand trick. Right, right. Well, and, uh, you know, it's funny you should say that because I was listening to a, uh, um, a recording that was made uh, years ago. It was, it was an interview with this family who lived in um, Northern Ohio and they were, um, they were having, you know, nightly experiences with, uh, with, with Bigfoot uh, on their property. And I mean, these, these creatures were, you know, like making a lot of noise, thrashing around in the trees, throwing stuff at the house. Uh, they'd stand, you know, close to the tree line so the people could, could see them, but then would just, uh, but somebody made a comment that at one point that, uh, uh, on, on one side of their property, they saw, uh, very, li- very bright lights in the forest. And when they were expressing interest in those bright lights and possibly going to investigate it, then all of a sudden there was a big commotion on the other side of the property, you know, with these Bigfoot creatures, you know, making a lot of noise and stuff that distracted them. And they never talked about those bright lights again. So, you know, I mean, that's, 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 you know, for what you were saying, it just made me think about that, that a lot of times, you know, there, there does seem to be, uh, a, a distraction for uh, uh, from one thing to another, you know, and uh, uh, you know, if if you go and, and and you look at a lot of these different reports, you know, you'll find some very similar scenarios that seems to be well, you know, don't don't look what's going over on over here. The real fun is over here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that kind of goes into kind of what I was saying earlier, too, except kind of like the opposite in a sense, where maybe it's not that the UFO phenomenon is following these glitches in the system, but theoretically they could be, you know, say that they need to leave where they are, whether it be an organic simulation, they're trying to go somewhere else. They have this cryptid, this creature, this other thing that happens over here so that, again, people are looking at this cryptid and then they have time to be able to take off and get away without being too noticed or spotted by other people because they're too busy looking at this thing that they know, you know, may not physically exist. It's more of just like a, like a decoy for them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're not worried about it. <laughs> People can do as much research and speculate all they want on that thing because they want you to be fixated on that and speculate on that instead of them. <laughs> it's like a, uh, like a cartoon I saw not too long ago that uh, uh, the, the aliens are landed and they're, they're, you know, out of their, their ship. And one of them says to the other, says, oh, you left the gate unlocked, and now the Bigfoot have gotten out. And there's, like, Bigfoot running away from the spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they're just other just... creatures they collected from other planets, and they accidentally <laughs> got off the ship, and it's happened a few times. Now they've been breeding, yeah. and now they're here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I imagine more like, you know, like pets, you know. 
take your dog for you on a ride in the car, and then you accidentally leave the door open, and there they go. <laughs> <laughs> they actually make a reference to that. It's called uh, the Pentaveret, that Netflix show, mm-hmm. that they have a Bigfoot in the hallways, and it's more of a security dog than anything. So, I mean, even that, I mean, in a lot of media, they could potentially be hiding things that are real, like maybe Bigfoots are that, <laughs> more of like a, like a pet to these things. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, there was a psychic by the name of Peter Herkos. He's, he's since passed away. But he was especially predominant in the 1970s. And one of his abilities was that he was able to uh, touch things and get readings from those things. Say, like, somebody was missing and, uh, you know, somebody, uh, if he would handle, say, like a coat that was worn by that person, he could get impressions on uh, uh, what the person was thinking of when they were wearing their coat. And even, you know, like, well, now I get the impression that their body is, you know, uh, on the bottom of this certain river at this certain time. They, uh, uh, he he was part of an experiment where um, the uh, 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 researchers put different things into boxes and then he would touch the boxes and then he would report without seeing what was in the box. He would then, you know, tell, you know, what the impressions was that, that he was, he was getting. One of these boxes had a, it was a plaster cast of a Bigfoot print. All right. And he said, and of course, you know, he couldn't tell what was in this box. And he said, no, 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 this isn't right. Um, He says, this is something that is in our reality temporarily, that it's from a different reality. And it's, it just comes here when it has the energy, but it's losing its energy, you say, from this footprint and it's coming apart. When this footprint was made, it was coming apart and going back to where it came from. And, you know, and of course it was, you know, it was a big footprint. And I think it was like one of the, uh, the, the three-toed, uh, uh, the mysterious three-toed big footprints. So um, he had the impression that this thing was coming to here from a different reality. But then after a while, as they lose their energy, they start to fall apart <laughs> until they go back. <laughs> I mean, that would almost kind of categorize like the Bigfoot experience in the same category as like the paranormal experiences, because mm-hmm. I'm a full believer that when it comes to paranormal experiences, more often than not, it's more of a uh, like a potential thinning of the veil almost where you can partly see into another reality. And the ones on the other side are seeing you as a ghost, too. And that's why both sides kind of try to get away from each other. Or, you know, it's a temporary thing where there's almost like a projection of something from another from another period of time, if time isn't linear projecting into your current time, I mean, that could explain the Bigfoot phenomenon, why the tracks will just up and disappear is maybe it's kind of like the ghost thing where they kind of just get projected from another dimension. So they're kind of in between dimensions and then it gets pulled back into where it originally is because that thinning of the veil starts to close or it's just open at certain, certain times for a short period of time. You know, you saying that, that reminds me of a time slip story of, uh, of this woman. She was on vacation in, um, Scotland, and she was riding a train, and she was taking this train uh, to to a certain village that um, had been made popular from a, a, a television show that I guess was popular in England at that time. And she said that uh, when she got off 
at the location that, you know, she was supposed to get off rather than finding, you know, like the standard train station. She said it was just basically like this, this bare platform that had a, uh, a big electrical generator on it that was surrounded by a fence that said uh, a danger, but, but that was it. And, and rather than being a train platform in this town, it was out in the middle of nowhere. So she started, she could see in the distance, like, like a big house that she thought maybe that was the train master's, uh, you know, uh, house. So she started walking towards it and she saw this woman coming towards her down this path, uh, pushing like an old fashioned baby carriage. But when she tried to talk to this woman, this woman like looked at her like she was seeing a ghost and turned and ran as fast as she could, pushing this baby carriage away from this woman. And she's like, you know, well, what's, you know, what's going on? So as, as she went a little further, uh, I guess like a, uh, a, a guy came by on a bicycle. And she tried to ask him for directions as well. And he didn't run away, but she said that he looked at her like she had a second head growing out of her shoulders, that sort of thing. And then she went on and, you know, had their, had her, you know, standard, you know, uh, time slip experience. But I've often wondered what were these people seeing? You know, when she, when they saw this woman, were they seeing her as a ghost? You know, or, or, or what, you know, unfortunately we don't have their, you know, their experiences. So, you know, I mean, it's, uh, 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 it, it could very well be that a lot of these, you know, phenomena that, that, you know, that we've been talking about, you know, you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, Bigfoot possibly coming from a, I don't want to say ghostly realm, but you know, you know what I was meaning. Uh, but they, mm-hmm. you know, they, if they're, if they're encountering us, you know, what do we look like to them? Same way with this, this woman's time slip experience. What were the people seeing when they saw her? You know, their, their reactions seem to be, you know, a lot more extreme than somebody who maybe dressed slightly differently than they, than mm-hmm. they were. You know, no, these people acted like they were terrified. You know, or or gobsmacked by by what they were seeing. It almost kind of makes you wonder, like, what's on the other side of it? Like, theoretically, say you have two dimensions and they're butted up against each other. And when people have these experiences, they could almost be walking in that line that's in between the two dimensions where they're not fully manifested in either dimension. But maybe their, like, consciousness is more sided towards one way. So, you know, they could be seeing things and perceiving things in this time period, but they're not fully manifested in that, but there could also be a mirrored image of what they're doing in that reality. Also in the other reality, because they're falling on that timeline or on that line in between where they're like half manifested in both, but their consciousness is shifted towards one. If that makes sense. Um, One of the things, and you can, you can do this, this research yourself. Uh, A lot of times when uh, uh, people have these, paranormal types of experiences where they're seeing either a cryptid or really some kind of really, you know, unusual supernatural-esque type of creature. And 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 one story I'm thinking of in, in, in particular where this woman went out her front door one night to, to check her mailbox and she saw this this very tall 
bizarrely shaped humanoid figure walking down the road in front of her house. And she said that it turned and looked at her. And she said that its face, when it saw that she was watching him, had this shocked look like she see, she can see me. And, and I've run across a lot of very similar stories where these, these things, whatever they, you know, what, you know, all, all up and down the board, UFO occupants, Bigfoots, you know, uh, 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 weird supernatural creatures, when they notice that they're being seen, are surprised, look surprised that they're being seen. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it, 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 it could be, you know, that, that some creature in another reality then goes home and says, I saw this weird thing. <laughs> you know, it, it was short and it had like, ugly hair and it scared me to death and you know, I could see through it. You know, I mean, that's, uh, that would explain a lot. <laughs> I mean, going into kind of what you're talking about earlier, where you're talking about almost like a diverging timeline where you're not tied to your original timeline anymore, but you're off into another timeline. Um, I mean, that could potentially be part of like what some of the cryptid phenomenon is too, is that it's almost like they segued it away from their reality and now they're in the same vibrational frequency as this reality. And now they're almost like trapped here. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see like the Bigfoot hiding in the woods doing all this. Like they could be fully intelligent creatures just like people. But just like if you were in that same situation, you wouldn't be trying. If you knew you're a completely different creature, different being than the main thing that's inhabiting this universe, like people would essentially do the same thing. Like if there was a reality where imagine it just like our reality, but people were all Bigfoots. If there was a person that got projected into that reality, what would your reaction be? It'd be to hide in the woods and try to never be seen by anybody. Exactly. Exactly. You, 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 you know, you're not going to go into the middle of the town square you know, and say, hey, I need help. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's a good way to get uh, uh, netted and taken to a laboratory and dissected. <laughs> and I mean, potentially, too, this could have happened. I mean, it obviously happens to a lot of people having these time slip experiences. If it's happened to enough of these, like, Sasquatch creatures... You know, at a certain point, it almost like is like they become fixated in our reality because once they're trapped in this reality, if there's a male and a female, they start reproducing. That new one is now 100% fully in our reality, and they could keep building off of that. Like maybe there's a starting point for the Bigfoot phenomenon, and now it's just kind of this thing where it's like some get trapped into our reality, so there's something physical within our reality, and then there's also the aspect of the ones that are here and get pulled back to their own reality. So that would explain why it seems like there's physical, tangible Sasquatch in our reality, and then there's also the ones where they'll have like three steps and then it'll just disappear, because maybe that's one that was still tied and was able to get pulled back from its reality and it hadn't diverged too far from the timeline. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and it's, you know, the people who have had personal experiences with time slips, you know, we have them. Uh, I mean, we have these reports because they're, for the most part, temporary. Uh, but I'm loath to think, you know, are there cases, missing, missing people cases, where they have made that step and never came back? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we do we do have stories that are somewhat difficult to track down to verify whether or not they're true or not. But, I mean, there have been stories that have surfaced over the years of people who suddenly appear, 
you know, like on a busy street, uh, dress differently with uh, 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 different kinds of money, you know, in their pockets and things like that, who claim to have come from a country that doesn't exist, you know, that that sort of thing. And uh, uh, they're, the, the, the stories that I've run across most of the time, um, they're sent away, you know, to an insane asylum, naturally, you know, and then never heard from again. Uh, so, I mean, it, 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 is there... Have there been people, because people disappear every year all across the planet. Most of them, you know, have had accidents and ended up in the bottom of the river or on somebody's, you know, bad side and, uh, you know, buried in a cornfield somewhere. But uh, there are a lot of, of instances that are extremely mysterious where people do just seem to step off the face of the earth, never to be seen again. I mean, just another potential idea, too. I mean, if there's infinite possibilities of realities, there could be one where it's just slightly tweaked, where you don't notice. So people could be shifting into other dimensions without even realizing that they did it. And that could also completely explain the Mandela effect, mm -hmm. that it's not actually something caused by CERN or some type of hydron, you know, giant particle collider. It might just be that there's this divergence where maybe things are just kind of weird and off in the galaxy right now, and people are getting shifted back and forth between realities. So, you know, like in our reality, we're looking at this Mandela effect from this side, but in the other reality, they're looking at it as from the other side, and there's people getting intermixed, switched between them, and they don't catch that they're getting switched because these realities are so close to each other that there's just these slight little tweak differences in like pop culture, different things like that. And there's could be, a, there could be a constant shift back and forth and people just aren't, don't even notice that it's happening mm -hmm. to them. Oh yeah. Well, and you know, that, that has been, um, you know, postulated, uh, uh, with, with quantum physics. Um, I remember years ago, gosh, I got this, you know, a paperback book that, you know, it was basically a, uh, you know, like a dumbed down version of quantum physics. And, and one of the things that, that always stuck with me is that they, it talked about how our consciousness, rather than following one path of reality, is actually going, um, uh, what what would the word be? Okay, well, I'll, I'll use my hand here as an example. <laughs> and I'm not giving people a you know, figure here. Okay, you know, the, the idea is that we follow a timeline like this. Okay. But if instead we're actually traveling across realities in this direction, right, all the time, so that, uh, uh, and, and most of the time, these different realities are close enough that we don't notice any difference. Uh, but maybe this one has the Bernstein Bears spelled differently than this one. So briefly, we notice that on this one, but then go on. So, you know, that, that could very well be something that hap is happening to us just as part of our reality all of the time. We just don't notice most of the time, you know, those little, <laughs> those little differences, you know, sometimes those differences are big. Um, you know, like, like you said, like the, like the, like the Mandela effect. Now, I mean, I've had, um, I've had several instances where I could have sworn that I had read that a certain, you know, say like a celebrity had passed away 
only to find out several years later that they that they were still alive. And it's like oh. I have a super tangible one too with the whole uh, Curious George having a tail. Is that I specifically remember as a kid I had a Curious George stuffed animal, and what I used to do, one hundred percent remember this. I used to grab it by its tail and swing it above my head in circles. So nobody can tell me differently that he didn't have a tail because as a kid, one of my most distinct memories is spinning this Curious George above my head by its tail. Mm. Yep. Yeah. See, you know, and it could very well be that you know you your reality at that time had that, but you know you've since gone on, you've moved on like the rest of us, you know, and and it could be that this this traveling across the multiple realities is uh, is on an individual basis that we don't travel as you know like as a group. You know, as you know, the entire planet or, or universe or whatever that it's 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 personal because that's really what it all boils down to is our um, is our, our our individual consciousness in this reality uh, manifesting itself and manifesting the reality that it's uh, uh, occupying at that time. I mean, potentially, too, every time you go to sleep at night, you could wake up in a different reality because it's like a blank restart reset. Like, you don't know 100% what happened. All you have is technically memories of the previous day. And just for me personally, I do have one particular experience where I don't always dream, but I had this one particular dream that felt more real than reality, where essentially the idea was that I was in another place. I was trying to find my girlfriend. I found her. It wasn't quite her. And I knew it wasn't quite her. So I went to sleep and then I woke up in another one and I had the same experience. And this went on through like 10 different realities. And then I finally woke up and I didn't believe that I woke up because it still felt like I was in it. And I was confused about whether or not like it actually happened as like a potential time slip experience or if it was a dream. So I'm still trying to rationalize it. But Mm. it's probably one of the strangest experiences I've personally had as far as that goes, because I'm not a super emotional person. When I found her, it was a very emotional experience and it's really hard to like place it unless you've had a similar experience like that, that it's like trying to get back to where you're supposed to be like, like the universe trying to correct itself. And like I said, it could have been a dream or it could have honestly been a theoretical time slip. Cause when you go to sleep at night, your consciousness, you know, when you go into the dream world, maybe you're potentially going in, your consciousness is going into another potential reality and it has to find its way back. And if it doesn't find its way back, it bounces around until it finds where it's supposed to Mm -hmm. go. Well, and that's and that's just it. I mean, you know, w- when you had that experience, when you had that dream, it's it's beyond real. It's hyper real, and mm-hmm. and the emotional aspect of it is also hyper emotional. All right, uh, uh, you know, when you wake up, you remember that 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 extreme emotion that you were feeling, but. It's not the same. The, the memory of it is not the same as when you were actually experiencing it. When you're actually experiencing it, it is so real. It is beyond real. You know, it's like real plus 10, you know, no, real plus tw- uh, 11. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one better than 10, it's 11. You know? <laughs> and the weirdest part about that, too, is, you know, normally, like, as you go about your day, things of your, your dreams start to fade out. That's one particular dream I've had in my life that I can still remember every detail extremely vividly. So that's another reason why I do question it is because it's not remembered like a normal dream mm-hmm. is. Like I haven't forgotten a component of it, and it's been a couple of years now since this happened. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, there's 
there was a story that uh, has has been around on the internet for a, a while where this you know and, and of course since it's you know it's on the internet you know there's there's no way to verify it one way or the other <laughs> it's a good story though where the woman uh, claimed that uh, when she woke up one morning that her reality had completely changed and and changed permanently you know she said that she when she woke up she had a job at a she was married she had a job at a certain location but when she woke up she was no longer married um the job that she had at this location was different the people she normally associated with at this job were different the person that she was married to didn't even know her in this new reality and she was stuck she said that she never went back to wherever she came from and she you know she was trying to come up with explanations on what happened to her from you know did i have a stroke you know overnight and all these memories are false or did i live in a different world and one and somehow when i woke up in the morning i was in a different one I mean, if we're going into the organic simulation concept, too, if there are things outside of our comprehension that are theoretically building different types of organic simulations, I mean, they could easily shift characters into other ones just to, you know, start to fill up that new, you know, simulation that they're working on, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and and of course... You know, when when people hear us talking, you know, think talking about say like an organic, you know, uh, simulation, you know, uh, people's mind tends to go towards, you know, an omnipotent being or beings that are that are you know controlling our reality. Uh, but uh, you know that I, I think that's that's rather. A, and naturally enough, you know, a simplistic explanation um, because we're dealing with a a universal intelligence that is beyond our concept of individual intelligence, you know, because, you know, say like the way that we interpret God as, you know, the big bearded guy in the sky throwing uh, uh, thunderbolts down and, and, and passing judgment on, on on ourselves, you know, that's, that's us humanizing that concept. But the idea of a universal intelligence of which we are a part of and, uh, 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 and participating, you know, in this simulation one way or the other, um, you know, to me is, 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 is fairly plausible. You know, uh, and it's almost like, I think it was, I think it was a Twilight Zone episode where uh, 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 people were, were, were stuck in time and were able to see these beings that actually built, that build time ahead, <clears throat> ahead of us, all right? So that uh, you've got the present, but that the present is constantly being built by these little by these creatures to keep time flowing linearly. So, um, uh, 
It's almost like those uh, old cartoons you'd see where there's like a train riding on a railroad track and there's something building the track as it's right. going, but there's also something behind it pulling up the track as they go exactly. along. So it's a constant well, flow for that, but there's nothing that exists behind or in front of it. Theoretically. And that's this. That's what this episode w- w- was dealing with. I'm, I'm having a terrible time explaining it because it's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, but these people were able to get outside of this reality and and see this taking place. So, I mean, you know... That's kind of like an analog version of a digital universe. But, I mean, it could, I mean, you know, it it could very well be plausible, you know. (laughs) It could even be like a matter of perspective, too, where, uh, you know, we're looking at something as being a god because it's beyond our understanding from the perspective that we're in. But just to, you know, kind of make a relatable example, if anybody's seen Men in Black 2, I believe it is, where there's, he has there's the subway locker and then there's the beings inside the locker and he opens up the locker and they all think he's god because they're looking at this giant creature but realistically he's just an average dude i mean there could be the same thing potentially that there's something that's bigger than us outside of our reality and we're looking at it like it's a god but it could just theoretically be just some normal dude that created a reality or did something or put something in a certain place and we're just looking at it from a matter of perspective like it's something all powerful and again it just might be just some average creature that we don't understand that's outside of our comprehension of reality you know? oh yeah oh yeah i like i, I like that uh, i like that. <laughs> that 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 episode or you know that uh, that, that there's a lot of gems line. hidden in men in black oh yeah <laughs> a lot of good gems hidden yeah. in that for understanding a lot of really deep uh theories <laughs> but i mean it's uh we 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 tend to overcomplicate things naturally. So, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, that idea, really, when it, when it comes to the universe, um, you know, really may have more legs to stand on than I think a lot of people would be comfortable uh, 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 thinking about. Because, you know, you think of our place on this planet Circling a sun in a solar system in a galaxy amongst possibly an infinite number of bigger galaxies and bigger and bigger and bigger and 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 and, and so on. So then the concept of just you know uh, everything being controlled maybe unintentionally. You know, by by somebody in a in, in a uh, macro reality is not that far fetched. Oh, I mean, we're kind of building on that now. If you go into like virtual reality and yeah. stuff, like we're at the beginnings of it, where it's not conscious yet, but theoretically, we have the potential that we could almost create another organic simulation within our reality. And once this AI gets to a certain point where it theoretically becomes conscious, it could essentially become you know we could become the gods to that. And that could become its own self-sustaining environment within that. And then it kind of makes you wonder back and forth, like how far out that goes, that there could be a reality inside a reality inside a reality inside a reality. And then when it gets to the AI thing and that develops in the system, that becomes its own thing. If it gets to a point where it's like it forgets that there's something outside of it and that's just existing within its own reality, it could potentially create another one inside mm-hmm. of that. And it could just be this continuous cycle. And that's how life may even happen, you know? Uh, have 
Have you ever seen an anime called Serial Experiment Lane? I've heard of it, but I have not watched I recommend, it. <laughs> I re- recommend you watching that. So locate it and, and, and watch it because, I mean, it's, uh, it, kind of, it, it, it kind of gets into these ideas except using um, the Internet uh, uh, as, as part of the process with uh, uh, consciousness being um, uploaded into the Internet and then developing a, uh, a reality that is separate from our own, but then starts to intrude upon our own and become part of our own as, as well. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, it's well worth watching if you, if you want just a complete mind, you know. <laughs> Connecting to what we are saying earlier, too, potentially – like we can already theoretically go into this reality with virtual reality mm-hmm. helmets. So that being said, going back out, that could explain also the alien experiences. Maybe it's just, again, another group of people that puts on a virtual reality helmet comes into this simulation, reality, whatever you want to call it. And just like you playing a video game, you can become whatever image you want to become. You know, you can become a monster. You can become a, a average person. You can become whatever the hell you want to become, whatever you choose within that reality. I mean, it's it's all people don't want to look at it as a as a possibility, but essentially we're already creating mm-hmm. this. So it's like look at it from a macro level, and it could already exist, and we could already be within that. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There was years ago, and I mean, this was this was an early podcast that I was listening to, and before the more recent um, uh, 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 speculations about whether or not we're, we're living in a simulation, you know, because the first time I heard this, I was like, wow, you know, I've never heard this, this before. Uh, but, but the guest on this show was talking about how um, they were working, they worked with somebody who um, did remote viewing and this remote viewer was given the task of looking at the universe and to see what the universe was made of and, you know, what, if anything, was was beyond the universe. And this person reported back that they their consciousness actually ended up in what they felt was like a laboratory and that there were intelligent beings there and they this person of course i mean you know was was couching this in in, in human terms uh but they said that they they you know communicated you know with these people in this laboratory and these people in the laboratory told this remote, remote viewer okay you see that thing there and and he described it as like like a a, a big glowing oval on the floor. They said, that is the universe that you just came from. We created that unit, your universe in our laboratory to simulate our universe to see what would happen. And he goes, and what happened is that it created life and all the things and you are from it, but we made it. And we're trying to figure out now if our universe is a simulation as well. And that makes you wonder how far down the line that we're going to have 
you know, virtual reality, like the virtual universe. And then they're going to get to that point where it becomes almost the same thing, yeah. you know, where those beings are trying to bring themselves out, but they're not able to manifest themselves within our reality because they're not something that's in tune with this reality that's supposed to exist within it. Like imagine trying to pull a digital being out of a computer and put it into our physical reality. It just wouldn't right. work. You know, it's same thing, same steps going back. Like where if you're able to take almost like the consciousness out of it, like the guy that was, you know, projecting mm -hmm. into it, his physical being wasn't in that universe, but he had something that extended past that from the, you know, consciousness becoming a thing within that universe. It could be potentially the same thing that maybe we create something and it's becomes able to project itself into our universe, but it can't physically project mm -hmm. itself into our universe. Right, right. Turtles all the way down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and for those those out there uh, uh, watching this who don't know that reference, you know, it, it used to be believed that the uh, the Earth rested on the back of a giant turtle, and uh, and <laughs> <messed> and <laughs> somebody somebody asked one time, well, "What's what's holding up the giant turtle? Another turtle." He goes, well, what's another? It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, since we're getting close to about two hours here, I definitely wanted to touch base on what your newest book is that you are working on, have already finished, whatever you happen to have, um, whatever one you want to talk about, one that may already be out or one that you're working on. Um, what, what, what's your newest well, project? Our, our newest book is called um, Alien Artifacts. I have to pull it up here. Uh, uh, in, incredible evidence. Oh, look, it's backwards. Incredible evidence of exotic material from uh, UFO encounters, and this was written by uh, myself, Sean Castile, and then uh, uh, contributions from people such as uh, Scott Corrales, uh, uh, Mark Ali, uh, uh, Nigel Watson, Gene uh, uh, Steinberg, Diane Tessman. Just got all kinds of of, of great people, and. All of us at one time used to work um, with Timothy Green Beckley with his uh, Global Communications Interlight Publications. Um, he was our publisher, and uh, uh, since he passed away, we decided that uh, we would try to keep that ball rolling. All right, with uh, uh, publishing books that, uh, that that we used to write for that uh, uh, Tim Beckley used to publish, you know, kind of, you know, not only just to, you know, keep ourselves busy, uh, but to get this information out there uh, uh, for readers who have always been interested in this kind of stuff. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we have that, that, that kind of unique niche, so to speak, of, 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 of material that, um, you know, we're not going to go and, you know, <sighs> there are a lot of writers who have already got their mind made up on what's going on. And that's what they're, they're going to write about. And no further information is, is going to work for them because their mind is made up. And the thing about all of us who 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 are writing this books is that our minds aren't made up. We're going to present um, old research, new research, new ideas, old ideas, everything uh, you know un under the sun. You know, we're not going to say you know extraterrestrials 
uh, you know, crash flying saucers, you know, leaving material there uh, uh, from other planets and that's it. No. Uh, this new book, Alien Artifacts, we have all kinds of, of different types of stories. We do have some of the, uh, um, you know, uh, crash flying saucers, uh, 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 little bits of bangled metal, things like that. Uh, but we also have accounts about the uh, the farmer who um, traded a jug of water with a landed uh, flying saucer in the occupant's inside for uh, pancakes that he saw the uh, guys in this flying saucer were cooking on a griddle. And, and <laughs> these pancakes were actually analyzed by the, uh, the Air Force. J. Allen Hynek himself actually came out to this guy's farm and, uh, and took a couple of them to, uh, to be analyzed. You know, they were made from buckwheat. You know, buckwheat pancakes. Uh, but this guy, this farmer, he was, you know, everybody knew him in the area and knew him to be an honest guy and not somebody who would make up a story like this, you know. So uh, to, uh, to stories about uh, people who had uh, close encounters uh, with uh, either uh, crashed UFOs or possibly um, UFO occupants, that then developed uh, mysterious infections and uh, uh, died or, or got very sick. Uh, so, you know, an alien artifact can, can be all kinds of, of, of different things. You know, there's the, uh, um, there was the prospector in Canada uh, that uh, approached a landed UFO and uh, actually touched it. He was he, he had uh, uh, heavy duty gloves on and touched it, and uh, the tips of his gloves melted from from the heat. Well, the UFO then kind of, of uh, tilted a little bit, and a grill on the side came up next to him, and he was hit with a blast of hot air. And it caught his shirt on fire and left a permanent burn of, uh, of dots in the shape of this grill that was on this craft. And uh, he was left uh, sick, really, for the rest of his life. And uh, the, 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 the wounds would disappear, but periodically would show up again and he'd get sick all over. So, I mean, that's the type of stories that we have in, 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 in alien artifacts. Going into, like, that last story you were just mm -hmm. talking about, um, when he touched the ship, have you heard the whole idea about the ship being... It's, it's almost like it vibrates at a really high frequency, and that's how it's able to travel through space and time without being affected by things on the outside mm -hmm. of it. Um, do you kind of fall into that belief on maybe that's why the ship was hot is because it was vibrating at such a high ultrasonic frequency that it's not visible that it's vibrating, but it's creating heat but to the touch, and that's how it's able to like shift through things and not be affected by things and almost like create like almost like a force field around itself where you hear about like ufos going in water and not really being affected by the water oh yeah definitely well i mean uh, uh, there's there's other examples you know very similar you know to that where there does seem to be some kind of you know uh, a field surrounding these crafts especially when they land uh, uh, and, uh, and, and if there is, you know, like an occupant that is, um, verbal 
you know, talks a lot of times, uh, you know, people are warned to, you know, don't touch, don't touch the ship, don't get too close or else you'll find yourself burned or electrocuted or, or what have you. And uh, other people like, you know, uh, Stefan Michelak, uh, that, that was the uh, prospector from Canada, uh, you know, who've gotten too close have received, you know, like an electric shock or burn or, 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 or something uh, like that, so so yeah, I mean, there there definitely does seem to be, you know, some kind of field that surrounds these ships, um, uh, you know, for for whatever reason or you know, however uh, they're, they're they're produced. You know, one of the other things is uh, that a lot of times people who get too close to these things also have. Um, 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 time ex, uh, ex experiences uh, time will either speed up for them or slow down uh, uh, some of these cases of missing time that you hear about uh, may not necessarily have been that they were abducted but it could be that these ships are using um, time as a propulsion uh, to propel themselves you know for, for one of for one of a better you know term. And that if you get too close, you find yourself enveloped in this field and basically uh, taken outside of time for a, a brief period. You know, and when you come back, you're either you know a little further ahead in your timeline or you know a, a, a little back. Hmm. Definitely fascinating. And for anybody that hasn't already looked into this book, I definitely recommend getting it. I actually got the the awesome privilege of getting a signed copy from you. So I greatly appreciate it. And I've already been digging into it a bit, but that just made me even more excited about it, you know, kind of getting your little spiel. So hopefully it does the same thing for everybody else. Get, get some interested, you know, because like we were saying earlier, it's always better to have a hard copy of a book because it's solid information that is in your hands that can't theoretically be changed unless you kind of get into, you know, the interdimensional theories, but things on the internet you know, anybody can go back, they can edit, they can delete, they can change things. But if you have a tangible book, that's some solid information that nobody's potentially ever able to take away from you, especially if it's some juicy information like that, that may not be wanted in the hands of everybody, you know? Well, and and thank you very much uh, for that. And, uh, you know, all of us, we work very hard to try to um, verify our information as, as best as we, we, we possibly can, uh, you know, because... A lot of times, if you rely strictly on the internet, you know, you'll find an interesting story and then try to trace it back, and you'll find that it's just been repeated um, ad nauseum uh, with, without anybody doing any of the proper research for the original source. And, you know, and it could be, you know, you finally run across, say, like the original newspaper article or, or uh, you know, uh, NICAP report. Uh, that it came from, and you'll find that the original is completely different than what is has been said and then repeated over and over and over again. Uh, you know, there are several instances where I thought I had like a really good story for this uh, for alien artifacts, only to trace it back and find that it had been embellished quite a bit. You know, over the years with retelling. Just like most stories, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. if things aren't word of mouth and they're not written down when the first experience happens, 
it's very easy for things to almost turn into a fish story. People just, one person expands on it, the next person expands on it, the next person expands. So from the first story, it was a one-foot fish. By the time it gets to the 10th person, it's now a 10-foot fish, you know? <laughs> well, and, you know, you can also you can also tell when people are just, uh, you know, copying and pasting, you know, uh, mm -hmm. a, a good story. You know, because I run across a, a lot like that where it's, I mean, word for word, it's the exact same story, a different site, different site, different site, until you find the original source. And then you can see like, oh, well, you know, they've embellished it. But then nobody else um, did the footwork to, you know, mm -hmm. to, to find that original source and to find the embellishments. So, you know, that that's one of the things that, you know, we that we try to do with this with with our books. And this this is the first one that we've put out since the death of of, of Tim Beckley. And in fact, the book is is dedicated uh, to to Tim Beckley, but it's not going to be the last. We're we're already in the process of of working on a new one, and you know, hopefully, there'll be you know many more to come after this. So, if anybody is trying to find you or find your books or get a hold of any copies of your books, where where would they find you and where would they find your sure, books? Well, at? all of my books you can uh, you can find on Amazon. You know, just go and uh, type in Tim R. Swartz. And uh, they'll all come uh, uh, tumbling out for your for your reading pleasure. Most of them are both in uh, paperback and uh, uh, and ebooks. Um, my website is conspiracyjournal.com, dot com, and uh, uh, it's uh, we, we've got articles and and then you know links uh, uh, for for our previous books on there. Uh, you know, for for whatever reason. Um, I can't use that URL on Facebook. Uh, I guess maybe because it's got the word conspiracy in it, even though mm. we don't talk about any of that political junk. <laughs> you know, it's all, as, as I always put it, <laughs> none of the political junk, just all the fun stuff. <laughs> you know, but for some reason, uh, 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 Facebook has banned uh, the, uh, the, the URL. So conspiracy jury. It's that misinformation push. That's, that's yeah. what it is. Anything that they could potentially flag, they have keywords and they just they flag it without even looking right, at it. <laughs> right. And uh, and and you can hear me uh, co-hosting on uh, the Paracast, which uh, that is uh, uh, theparacast.com. Simple enough. <laughs> so uh, one thing I always like to end the show with before I get into my end of house type stuff, um, I always like to get words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there was any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, what would Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, it's... Uh, I suppose I could always always say one of my fa favorite lines from a movie, and you can, you can censor me... Uh, you know, if you have to, but, uh, and I'm just being, I'm just being flippant here. And then, but, uh, it's, uh, uh, everywhere I go, there's always an asshole. There's a, that's always a good one. You know, <laughs> uh, well, okay. I suppose my word of wisdom is no matter what it is that you're looking into. All right. If, if, if you're really interested in any of this stuff that we've been talking about, all right. Verify, verify, verify. You know when when I went to uh, uh, when I went to college for journalism, that was the one thing that they always beat into our head: is verify, 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 and then verify again. All right, don't take anything at face value. 
All right. Do your homework. If if you're seeing it on Facebook or YouTube, then verify even more. <laughs> you know, because more mm-hmm. than likely it's going to be you know bullcrap. All right. Truth. Just please do your research, people. Um, you know, uh, so much. I I think a lot of a lot of the trouble that's going on in the country right now is that people are just accepting at face value some of the wildest, craziest crap. You know that that is that is that is going on, and, and I should know because I you know I deal in wild and crazy crap. <laughs> you know, and, but but yet I see these people. You know, uh, 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 repeating these things, and I'm not going to get into it. You know, uh, but I see people repeating these things. It's like, okay, do you honestly believe that? And if you do believe that, what kind of research have you done to verify that research? You know, because because I've looked into a lot of this stuff, and as far as I can tell, there there aren't. Groups of people kidnapping and eating babies, you know th- th- that sort of thing. You know that that th- that you're that you're seeing. I mean, I, at least not in modern times. You know? <laughs> I mean, we're we're not talking about you know, <laughs> two thousand years ago or something like that. So uh, and and, uh, and and a lot of these, you know, the the, the wilder UFO stories too that uh, have been put out there, um, mostly. Uh, by the government for um, to try to ensnare uh, foreign espionage. You know, uh, a lot of these stories that came out in the 80s about um, secret underground uh, bases full of cannibalistic aliens who have kidnapped people and ha- are growing them in vats, you know, uh, uh, mixed with cow blood and, and things like that. You know, great stories, fun stories, you know, but if, if you really look into them, like, you know, any good researcher should, you know, you'll, 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 you'll find that there's not much um, substantial evidence to, to prove it. So, again, verify, verify, verify. Don't take anything at face value. And like I said before, if you're, if you're seeing somebody repeat it on Facebook or YouTube, then, yeah, it's probably not verifiable. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and now, you know, probably a lot of your listeners, you know, some of your listeners may be like, well. <laughs> because it's like, you know, it's like I said before, a lot of people, you know, they have their mind made up, you know, uh, 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 it's, you know, this, this is the truth and nothing is going to dissuade me. And, you know, I always say to, you know, people like yourself, when you're, you know, you ask me questions, you know, it, it's like people say, well, do you believe in UFOs? And I'm like, I don't believe in anything. You know, if, if I start believing in something, that's going to close my mind down. And I'm not going to be open mm-hmm. for any new uh, evidence that, that's going to come in. You know, I, I believe that people have are having unusual experiences. But other than that, you know, I keep I keep my mind open. Hey, I always say it on this show, and I say it all the time in my normal life. A sign of intelligence is having the ability to change your mind with more information. Yep. Yep. And, you know, if if these things that we have been talking about on tonight's show, 
hope to get any further along the lines, that is the philosophy to take. Sir, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. You're a plethora of knowledge, and I've, I've absolutely enjoyed it. So I thank you for making the time and coming on the oh, show today. Hey, I had a great time tonight, and uh, I hope your audience enjoyed it as well. Oh, I guarantee they will. And I'd be more than happy to have you back on anytime you'd like to come on the show. You're always hey, my welcome. pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> and uh, for everybody else, get into the little bit of the back of the house stuff. If uh, there's a guest that you want to see on the show, if you would like to be on the show, or if there's any topics that you would like covered on the show, don't forget to come and find me on social media. Shoot me a message. You can even email me. Uh, if there's anybody that's interested in sponsoring the show, or if there's anybody that thinks that they have something that can, they could contribute to the show, um, I'd be more than happy to hear about it. So don't be afraid to shoot me a message. Um, the email is inquiriesofallrealitypodcast at outlook.com. And uh, every link that I've talked about today is all available all under my link tree. Also available down in the description bar. And again, if you need that as audio, it's uh, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash increase of all reality. And uh, I guess I'll catch all of you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>